This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express Card. And we here on Savor are what you might call food explorers. It has been our actual job to go to cool places and eat, like, a lot of the food there. And then talk about it. And then talk about it into these microphones, which is a crazy dream job. Yes. Well, if you're like us and willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people like us who are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Volkebaum. And today we have an episode for you about apple butter. Yes. Was there a particular reason this was on your mind, Lauren? Uh, what, okay, so what had happened was um, I this, this episode was supposed to come out on the 2nd of February, okay. originally in the timeline. Groundhog Day. And that's Groundhog Day. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I don't know, are there any traditional Groundhog Day foods? Um, and after going on a, a short but um, but not very fruitful, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, a rabbit hole about the movie Groundhog Day, um, I started looking into Pennsylvania Dutch foods and I was like, apple butter, that sounds so nice. Yeah, and it is nice. Yeah. It is nice. I, I have a friend that gives me some. Oh, yeah? yeah. Like homemade? <laughs> yeah. Oh, dang. Uh, it's pretty nice. I actually haven't gotten any in a while. Now oh. that I think about it. But for a while, mm. it was a standard like gift once per year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. should contact her about that. Mm. Hmm. Uh, I don't think I had apple butter until pretty late in life. Really? But, huh. hmm. Yeah. I just missed out on a lot of those jams and things. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Your family just didn't, did not have any in the house? No. No, definitely not. But I did. Uh, I grew up near a place in North Georgia called LJ, and LJ has a lot of orchards. Um, and they make, like, apple cider donuts, apple fried pies, like pretty much anything you can imagine with apples. Mm-hmm. Um and they have apple butter, and I used to get some from there when we would go. Aww, the uh, thing is, I never went through enough to, like, you know, use, like, to have one coming in per year. It's true. I didn't <laughs> I didn't really have <laughs> enough uh, need for it. But I do sure. I do enjoy it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I similarly, like, I, I don't consume a lot of 
preserves. Uh, it's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in general, I just don't eat a whole lot of added sugar in things. Uh, but, but now that I'm thinking about it, I'm kind of like, why don't, why don't I put some on every cheese plate that I make? Uh, why yes. do I not put some on my grilled cheese sandwiches? Why, Ooh, yes. why am I not using this, uh, you know, as like part of a glaze on like roast vegetables or something like that? That would be delicious. Yes, it would be. And there are a lot more uses for apple butter than I had previously considered. And I'm like, sure. Yes. Yes. Um, you can see our apple episode. Yes. Uh-huh. It feels like so long time ago. Uh, it was so long pie? time ago, yeah. <laughs> Lauren and I, are, we've had some interesting mornings. A little flazzard, flustered. Yes, you know, see? <laughs> um, exactly like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> we did do an episode on apple pie and cider. Cider, I would say. Sure. Uh, yes. But I guess that brings us to our question. <laughs> I guess it does. Oh, here we go. Uh. (laughs) Apple butter. What is it? Well, uh, apple butter is a type of condiment made from apples and warm spices, uh, cooked down with a bit of liquid into a mash until it eventually becomes like a thick, spreadable, browned uh, paste. Uh, Spreadable like soft butter. No butter was harmed in the making of this condiment. Um, different recipes call for different methods and seasonings. Uh, it might be a little bit more smooth or a little bit more chunky. You might have apple cider or even apple cider vinegar in there for a little bit of tartness. A flavorful sweetener of some kind, like a maple syrup or brown sugar. Uh, spices like cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, cloves. Over the the low and slow cooking process, it gets just impressively creamy tasting for something that, again, does not contain dairy. Um, and develops these lovely, like, toasty, caramelized kind of flavors. And yeah, it can be used like any jam or jelly, um, as a sweet spread on toast or sandwiches, as a filling in sweet baked goods, a flavoring in sauces or glazes for savory dishes like roasts, a dollop on a cheese plate. Yeah, um, it's like a, it's like a Pokemon evolution of applesauce. It's, it's like apple marmalade. Like like a like a pie in a jar, uh, like like autumn in a jar. Uh, smooth wind and crackling leaves and a bright sun filtering through the red gold canopy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just nice, just nice. It is. It really is. <sighs> um, but yeah, so there are a lot of possible iterations of apple butter that, that come down to tradition and personal preference um, and what you have on hand, because this is definitely like a way to use up too many apples um, and to preserve that flavor and maybe a tiny bit of nutrition, M- mostly flavor, perhaps. Like you've mostly broken down the nutritive parts of the apple when you are making apple butter. Uh, at any rate, yeah. But yeah, uh, you can use uh, sweet apples and very little additional sweetener, um, just just a little bit for flair, you know, um, or tart apples with quite a bit of sugar to help balance them out, or a combination. Um, things like brown sugar, molasses, or maple syrup add add nice uh, hints of extra flavor to, to the apples. Um, you often want apples that really do turn to mush when they're heated, uh, the, the, the opposite of the kind that you turn to when you want them to retain their form in a pie, you know? Um, 
Because you want the final product to be varyingly smooth, uh, you're usually going to peel and core your apples and then quarter them or give them a rough chop um, to help increase surface area for quicker cooking. Old recipes often say pear and core instead of peel and core. It means the same thing. Uh, some recipes do call for leaving in the skin and maybe the cores too for, for extra flavor and like straining them out later. Those won't really help with pectin because there's so much more pectin in the flesh of an apple than there is in, in the skin. Pectin being a type of fiber that's found in the cell walls of plants, like apples, um, that, that can help foods uh, gel up. And that's part of what's happening here. The pectin already present in apples means that you don't need to add more uh, the way that you might when you're making some other jams and jellies. Using apple cider really does help deepen the flavor. Uh, by apple cider, I mean unfiltered, unsweetened apple juice uh, that has not been allowed to ferment. A lot of old recipes call for starting with apple cider, like a bunch of apple cider, reducing it by half, and then adding your apples in to start simmering. Uh, some recipes call for vinegar or apple cider vinegar to brighten the flavor of the final product. And yeah, you're looking to cook this low and slow, stirring more and more frequently as the apples break down into mash to, to prevent them from sticking and burning. You really want to get get in there and scrape the sides and the bottom. Um, if your apples don't break down by themselves, you might want to mash them, physically mash them yourself in some way. You generally add your spices ground during this mash stage. You're, you're often cooking the apple mash for a long time. And even though you are going low and slow, like you don't want to cook off your flavors. Um, the aforementioned cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, and cloves are common, but you can use whatever you like, uh, allspice, mace, cardamom, black pepper, lemon zest. Some recipes call for fermented apple cider or even like an apple brandy or something like rum or bourbon. That sounds really nice. Mm-hmm. And it's done when it's very thick, like so thick that, that, a, that a scoop and a spoon will totally maintain its shape. Uh, or or uh, if, if no liquid separates out from the main lump in the spoon, yeah? Mm -hmm. It'll be a, a spreadable sort of preserve, uh, ruby brown in color from caramelization. Um, it looks opaque in a jar, but will be translucent when you spread it, like, a, like jelly or stained glass. Yep, it can be stored that way in the fridge or the freezer, or you can can it and it'll keep unopened on a shelf for, you know, pretty much ever. It can also be made with things like pears or quince or pumpkin, sometimes mixed together with apples. I can't tell you what to do. Important note here, uh, anything acidic like this, you should use a non-reactive pan to cook with. Uh, there are a lot of old accounts of using copper kettles for apple butter, and that sounds real pretty. But when you cook acidic things in unlined reactive pots, it, it can leach some of whatever metal the pot is made of into your food, which is not ideal health-wise. Um, stainless steel is a good choice, or, you know, check to make sure that your cookware is lined on the inside. A lot of copper cooking vessels are lined these days for exactly this reason. You can also do it in, in, in the oven, in any kind of bakeware, and there are modern recipes for using slow cookers and or pressure cookers, which I'm fascinated about. I have not played with an instant pot, but this sounds like a great application for it. Yes. <laughs> hmm. And then, right, uh, then you have apple butter, and you can use it as you would any fruit spread. Often served as a topping for bread, sometimes along with dairy butter as well, or as an accompaniment or a, or a glaze ingredient for roasts, as a filling in cookies, a spread in sandwiches. And furthermore, if you were in Pennsylvania Dutch country, 
you might see signs on restaurants advertising seven sweets and seven sours. And this is a, a concept of, of balancing sweet and sour flavors w- with different dishes and condiments throughout a meal. And apple butter is generally a component of that. Ooh, listeners, right in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Pen- Pen- the, the greater Pennsylvania area being one of the places where this, uh, this condiment has really taken form. Yes. Well, what about the nutrition? Uh, it's a treat. Treats are nice. <laughs> yes. It's it. Treats are nice. <laughs> Sometimes you need them. You do. <laughs> Sometimes you've had a day and you need them. You do. I, I feel like in general, you're not really consuming enough apple butter to, to be like, like, oh, man. like. Yeah. yeah. I did read some funny accounts of people eating a lot of apple butter. <laughs> yeah. And one of my... One of my favorite was at the end of the, the like article, he was like, I don't even really like it. It's just tradition. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know what you're talking about, buddy. I know what you're talking about. Huh, yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, we do have some numbers for you. Most of them are festival based. Uh, they are. <laughs> they are. Yeah. Uh, there are several apple butter festivals. Any yes. number, any number of them, uh, just just three that we pulled numbers for. Okay, there's one in Grand Rapids, Ohio, uh, called Apple Butter Fest. It's been running since 1977. Around 40,000 people attend every year these days. And there are historical reenactments, a classic car show, apparently a lot of bratwurst. Sounds mm. sounds cool. I'm I'm into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Groveport, Ohio holds an apple butter day every October. Last year was the 50th anniversary. There's a spelling bee, a pie eating contest, cane pole fishing derby, and of course, a lot of apple butter. Cane pole fishing derby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yepers, okay. that's what Sounds I read. Sounds cool. Uh, uh-huh. And then Berkeley Springs, West Virginia has one also in October uh, that features a rubber duck race, a beard and mustache contest, a baking contest, a quilt raffle, and a hog calling contest, which no hogs are expected to attend. So you're just calling for you're, hogs? You're, you're, you're calling hogs. You're, yeah. Okay. Okay. I think it's wow. a I think it's well, a creative and 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 partially musical endeavor, I believe. Uh-huh. I'm not Yeah, okay. I'm not totally sure. <laughs> I didn't I didn't research deeply into the hog calling contest, but it sounded really cool, so I wanted to yeah. I wanted to report upon it briefly. Uh yes. I am not being sarcastic. I know that my sarcasm voice sounds really close to my normal voice. I am being 100% sincere. This sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it does. And once again, listeners, if you have been to any of these, oh my goodness. You have answers to our questions about these activities. I would like to please know. let us know. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. You'll be happy to know I recently, I think, I hope, uh, didn't completely weird someone out when I told him about uh uni sea urchins wearing hats. And I was at a sushi place. Oh. And I could I th- he was looking at me like <laughs> You good? <laughs> I was like, no, they really do. They really do wear so, hats. You know. It is really cute. <laughs> it is also delicious. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, we like these facts. Yes. Uh, they help us out. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> we do have quite a history for you. 
We do. We do. And we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express Card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some amazing dishes. Sure, yes. Like, I had never understood what poke really could be, and it is delightful. It is stunningly good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, Another thing from their passion fruit I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has passion fruit. Going for it. And then all of the moles, and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had from in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Oh, or just steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement? Exactly. <laughs> well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Okay, so the history of spreads like apple butter, they go back to ancient times. I feel like we've talked about some of them. But apple butter's history most likely goes back to Germany and Belgium during the Middle Ages, when monks may have made apple butter at monasteries as a way to use up apples from their orchards, mm-hmm. which is a pretty common running theme through apple butter's history. Most historians believe that apple butter arrived in America with early Germans who settled in the mid-Atlantic states, and that, yes, it was a popular way to preserve apples, especially during colder months. A variety of apple trees thrived in these areas and in South and Central Appalachia, and it wasn't uncommon for people to have a small orchard or even just a handful of trees. Of course, 
people wanted to find ways to preserve these apples so that they could be consumed throughout the year, which included slicing and drying them and making them into apple butter. And since making apple butter can be a bit of a slog, many recipes called for big batches. And the long process of making it often became something a community undertook together, passing the time with gossip or sharing stories or news, perhaps even matchmaking, I read, according to one source. Mm -hmm. Um, Recipes from this time frequently called for boiling a whole barrel of cider, three or maybe many more bushels of apples, and anywhere around 10 to 15 hours of pretty much constant stirring. Yeah, yeah, like dedicated process. Uh, In a cookbook from 1840 called Directions for Cookery in its Various Branches, the author, uh, Miss Eliza Leslie, wrote, it is not worthwhile to prepare apple butter on a small scale. Yes. Um, So families and communities had their own apple preferences, uh, add-ins like spices and methods as well. Do you stir in a figure eight pattern? Do you put coins in the kettle to allegedly keep the apple butter from sticking to the bottom? Mm-hmm. Um, I read a rhyme for one method of stirring to remind you how to do it. Uh, twice around the side and once down the middle. That's the way to stir the apple butter kittle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's a lot of uh, like kind of folklore or stories like that behind apple butter, which I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, But the resulting apple butter was used with all kinds of things like oatmeal or bread, but also alongside fatty meats like pork or just straight up by the spoonful. In 1881, Wisconsin article read, Apple butter is a tedious thing to make. It is best to have a merrymaking over the apple paring and stirring as it is very heavy work for one or two persons. Hmm. Part of that matchmaking that you referenced earlier, I I can't remember what article I read it in, but uh, it was talking about how like, you had to make sure to pair up the stirrers. Like if, if there were like a couple kids that were flirting, like you send them to stir together so that they can like carry on a good conversation while they're doing this work that, you know, kind of stinks. Right. <laughs> right. And I also read some about like if you spill, if a woman spilled the, the apple butter out the side, she was not going to be a good wife. Oh. <laughs> oh, heck. All right. Yes. Well. Uh, yes. Um, a uh, recipe from the early 1840s uh, it indicated this the same like like it's it's a lot of work but also a party thing. Um, it read uh, late in the autumn when the evenings become quite long, invite one of those social parties to your house, which are made truly social by being gathered for the purpose of some useful and seasonable work. Appropriately, they have been called bees for they are busy seasons when drones have no place. <laughs> Commit to these good-hearted and merry neighbors six bushels of their sweet apples, and set the ladies at work paring, quartering, and coring them. Meanwhile, let the boys or young men be engaged in boiling down two barrels of new cider to the dimensions of one, uh, and so on and so forth. Yes, and I did love that there were so many terms for these kind of hangouts. Another one I saw was for the process of peeling apples was snitting uh, Hmm. from the Pennsylvania Dutch word snits which probably came from the German word schnitzen, meaning to slice or carve. Um, And so sometimes these get-togethers were called schnitzing parties, which is great. Yeah, (laughs) yes. Uh Uh-huh. 
Recipes and advertisements for apple butter were being published in the U.S. by the Mm mid-1800s. It was also touted as a good way to use up apples that weren't, like, good enough for sale by themselves. uh, Because during the process, you could cut away any damage and be left with, like, a decent amount of good fruit. Uh, A gardening periodical called Vicks Monthly Magazine ran a feature on this in 1887. Commercialized apple butter operations started opening in the U.S. in the late 1800s to the early mid-1900s. Most producing something other than the butter, too, like apple cider. And these operations ranged in size from perhaps a small farm to something bigger, like a cidery. And some of them are still still running. Um, one thing I found that is apparently currently controversial yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, goes back to the 1950s when some families started putting in Red Hots, which is that hot cinnamon candy, oh, uh-huh. Into their batches of apple butter to replace cinnamon sticks if they couldn't be found or the powder, cinnamon powder was too expensive. Apparently, some people still do that, and it's like (laughs) (laughs) it causes some heated arguments. Love it. Love (laughs) Mm -hmm. it. Yes. Uh, But jumping a bit ahead to today, um, while it is easy to purchase apple butter in the US and there are simpler ways to make it than what we've been discussing. Several communities and families have held on to that traditional practice. Uh, The recipes, the equipment over generations as well, gathering to work together to make apple butter that is then given as gifts or used in fundraisers or stored away for eating. Maybe all of the above. Mm -hmm. Um, This is where I found the article with the guy. I thought it was very funny because at the end he was like, I don't even really like it, but we do it every year and I look (laughs) forward to it. Yeah. Because it's kind of a big party. Um, Yes. And I'm given to understand apple butter and the process of making it is common at places like Colonial Williamsburg. I'm not sure if it's there, but places like Mm -hmm. that. Um, I think we did it for Old Fashioned Day, which is something my school did in elementary school. And it had the Old Fashioned Peeler. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yes. Uh, But yeah, listeners write in. Uh, that's just something I sort of saw in a couple places but couldn't really pin down. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, it's also a product that is still available in other places like Germany. Uh, other cultures have yes. apple preserves. It's not like this is an extremely right. singular <laughs> American right. thing. But, uh, but yeah. 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 And once again, listeners from other countries, oh, uh, yeah. please write in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I, I, Listeners from it anywhere, please, right? <laughs> uh, but I think that's what we have to say about apple butter for now. Yes, we do already have some listener mail for you, though, and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express Card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job 
involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some amazing dishes. Sure, yes. Like, I had never understood what poke really could be, and it is delightful. It is stunningly good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, Another thing from their passion fruit I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has passion fruit. Going for it. And then all of the moles, and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had from in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Oh, or just steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement? Exactly. <laughs> well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. back thank you sponsor yes thank you and we're back with listener mail. like an autumn breeze oh. even though it's very cold winter right now <laughs> <laughs> i can look back and reminisce you can you can <laughs> i can i do frequently oh. <laughs> <laughs> i'm very cold right now once again no once again Julie wrote, I just listened to the papaya episode and wanted to share my favorite way to use papaya. My husband is from Mexico City and I'm from the Pacific Northwest. I had never tried papaya before we got together. We make what my husband calls a milkshake, but not like American milkshakes. No ice cream. Put ripe papaya, milk, pecans, cinnamon, and vanilla. You can add a little sugar if you like and blend. It's sweet, creamy deliciousness. You have to try it. Mm. Thanks for introducing me to so many new foods. I have tried several of the past topics, and like you all, have a list of way more I'd like to try, so I might just have to do a banquet as well. (laughs) Ooh, a tradition. I like it. Yes. Yes. The savor. (laughs) You have to have a banquet at some point. The confusing (laughs) banquet. Oh, love it. (laughs) The the confusing (laughs) banquet. That's what we call it. Um, (laughs) And this sounds lovely. Oh, this yeah. That sounds, sounds like a great drink. so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like a light, refreshing. Like a nice, a nice mm. smoothie situation. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely want to try it. Add that to our banquet for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, papaya. Uh, okay. Uh, Arik wrote about a few things, starting with mulled wine. 
It's definitely a nice winter drink. I really like them when they are spiced well with the more earthy spices. When they go sweet, I do not find them enjoyable. I've made it with Cabernet Sauvignon before, adding star anise, cinnamon sticks, crystallized ginger, ooh, a clove, a couple of peppercorns, a dash of fresh nutmeg, and a halved orange. Maybe a dash or two of Cointreau or Grand Marnier if I'm feeling spiffy. Uh, not sure why, but when on the Dickens aside, with the mention of Tim Curry, it made me think of this. What would Rocky Horror Christmas Story look like? Hmm. <laughs> Back on the cookie table, yes, Lauren, there are tons of opinions. It really depends on the family history. You can talk to a bunch of people and probably get 10 episodes on how to do cookie tables. Uh, been way, way, way too long since I've had dim sum. I need to find a good place around here that's easy to get to. The places I know are just not a convenient drive. Winding drives, finding parking. Uh, the one place I really like is smaller and you order off a card. They also have an open kitchen where you see everything being made. Fun to watch them pulling noodles. Uh, with the soup dumpling, I've always put in the spoon, poked the top of the chopstick, and then add just a dash of sauce. Uh, I don't think we have a push cart place here. I'm all in on a D&D cookie table. We'll add it to the feast. Christine bringing up Stolen and a Pfeffernusa, along with Panettone, was great. All kinds of Christmas stuff. Christmas pastries from around the world would probably be at least 15 or 20 episodes. I'm beginning to realize that cookies alone, I mean... <laughs> That's an endeavor. <laughs> I, I try to throw in like one baked good every like month or so um, because there, yeah. there are so many of them. Um, a, a lot of them do have these really interesting specific stories, a, a lot of which run along the same lines of like, and then some bakers in a city under siege created this cookie and it allowed the people of the city to live through the siege situation. And I'm like, how many yeah. cookies can that be true for? <laughs> <laughs> and then they, like, might resemble their enemy, which I find really interesting because mm, <laughs> it's yeah. like eating your enemy. <laughs> yeah. No, cool. Humans, cool, though. you know. Yeah, no, we get up to all yeah. kinds of stuff. Um. We really do. <laughs> <laughs> the D&D cookie table, I think we could make that work. I think we could do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Different, mm -hmm. different, different themed, themed cookies for, for different races and classes. I think it could totally work out. Yeah. <laughs> I did want to thank you, Lauren, because you told me how to eat the soup dumpling properly. Oh. I've recently uh, came into a lot of soup dumplings. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's been amazing. Oh. It was a game changer because <laughs> I was just eating them full without, without letting the steam the hole escape. in there and releasing the soup. Yeah. Yeah. And it was good. But you would burn your mouth every time. Yeah. 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 But this is a much nicer delivery of like <laughs> the soup and the dump. Yeah. So I'm very grateful. Uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, anytime. Thank the internet. The internet is where I found this information. Um, mm. uh, though furthermore, Rocky Horror Christmas Story is definitely, I think it fits. I think it makes sense. I think that Frankenfurter would make an excellent Scrooge. <laughs> I think so. I can see this I think easily. I mean, it's like two, two two sides of the same character. It's like Santa Claus and Krampus, you know? Yeah. He does have he has he he has a lot of uh depth <laughs> uh of emotion. Sometimes he's really happy, sometimes he's not. <laughs> like us all, see? Yeah. So I, I, I can see it. 
can see it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. heck. Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thanks to both of these listeners for writing in. Uh, if you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly-veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Martha Stewart, and we're back with a new season of my podcast. This season will be even more revealing and more personal with more entrepreneurs, more live events, and more questions from you. I'm talking to my cosmetic dermatologist, Dr. Dan Belkin, about the secrets behind my skincare. Encore Jane about creating a billion-dollar startup. Walter Isaacson about the geniuses who change the world. Listen and subscribe to the Martha Stewart Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.